All right. Welcome back to Legally Unfiltered. This is Attorney Franz Borkart. I'm here with Attorney Richard Sprinkle. For those listening on Facebook Live, for those listening on Talk 107.3, we've missed you. We're back. We warned you this would happen. So we took a little hiatus. We, we took did. a break. We did. Some we life did. happened. You know, a little COVID here, a little Corona there. But but Talk 107.3 said, hey, guys, we, we can't live without you. Wh- wh- Brian Haldane said, where are my new episodes? So where if you, are they? So if you're just now tuning in, today's episode, we've got a treat for you guys, okay? We are going to be talking about the President of the United States of America and how rich people cannot pay taxes. You know? But we're not just going to talk about that. We've got no. a national expert who's been on CNN, Professor Phil. Yeah, Professor Phil Hackney. Is going to talk to us and join us right. and talk to us about, is it possible that really someone like Donald Trump could not have paid taxes and it not like break some kind of a law? That's right. Before we jump in on that, if you want more information about Legally Unfiltered, go to www.legallyunfiltered.com. Or? And, or? Go to the Facebook page. Facebook. We have a Facebook page. You, yeah. Amazingly enough, we're broadcasting on it right now. All right. So, um, which, by the way, you need to share the Facebook Live. I would love to. So, what we're going to do is also, as always, email us at legallyunfiltered at gmail.com, show topics, and you can have a chance to win not one, but two of these legally unfiltered coffee mugs. Uh-huh. They make great coffee mugs. You can hold water in them, coffee, other adult beverages. So without further ado, Richard, go on and announce our special or introduce our special guest. Well, today we do have a special guest. It's Professor Philip Hackney of the University of Pittsburgh School of Law, also formerly of the Paul M. Bear Law Center here in uh, lovely Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, Phil has worked for the IRS. He knows more about tax law than I know about really anything. And quite frankly, he was recently uh, a a guest on CNN to discuss the tax issues that President Donald Trump may or may not be facing. Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you for for having me. I've uh, long admired your show. So we're, we're kind of like CNN, only, only not. not. (laughs) So, so professor, we're going to jump in first and foremost, if you could lay the landscape for us. We saw some news recently about the president and his tax returns. Kind of lay lay a setup for us. Sure. Yeah, so um, uh, we've been uh, looking for uh, these returns for some time, right? Um, right. The, uh, famously, President Trump was the first president uh, since uh, after Nixon to not disclose, or first presidential candidate to not disclose tax returns. And so this has been a long sought after uh set of documents, right? And uh, everybody has been on trying to get these things because they want to know. Um, We, uh, early on in his administration, got some information from the New York Times that uh, at least in 95, he had taken a $1 billion loss against his taxes and probably managed to pay zero in taxes for about uh, 10 years. Um, But uh, most recently, Sunday night, uh, New York Times came forward with uh, the goods, as far as we know, um, of a lot of tax return data. And the, the fundamental part was over the past 10 or 15 years, uh, the president has paid zero in taxes. And the past two years that they had information for, which were the 2016 year when he was running for president, the 2017 year was uh, $750 each. Um, he paid some amount in some of the other years, but by and large, he pays very little as compared to the lifestyle did, did, he leads. Did I hear that correctly? $750 per year. 
was his tax debt. Yes, in 2016 and 2017, he paid exactly $750, which is an odd I don't know if that's amazingly wonderful job of tax avoidance or if that just sounds crazy criminal. I, I, I'm stuck. Well, and let me, let me jump in and say this. So we're on this side of the phone, on this side of the interview, we both own small businesses. We do. And I can tell you I paid more than that in taxes. I know I did. <laughs> and I'm not a billionaire. I paid, I paid, more, I paid more to the accountant to, to get to my taxes. All right. All right. So me. let's get to the meat and potatoes. Let's get to the meat and potatoes. Is there a way that this individual, not being the president, but an individual could be, could get away with not paying quote unquote taxes of an amount or his amount and still kind of be a quote unquote rich person like Donald Trump? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I mean, I think that's the question that it's on everybody's mind, right? I mean, he lives this exceptional life and yet he pays zero. In taxes, it makes no sense, uh, given the way that the rest of us are. Um, so one thing to keep in mind, if you're an employee, you have less opportunity to uh, come up with deductions to avoid tax. If you're an employee, you're probably pretty much going to pay. But if you're running a business, you potentially have deductions. Um, and uh, if you lose a lot of money, uh, you know, rightfully, we believe under the tax code, you should be able to deduct those dollars. And the evidence that the New York Times at least puts forward is that he lost a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money, not just a little bit of money, a lot of money. Um, you know, I already mentioned the billion dollars approximately that he lost 95 to casinos. Um, but uh, in 2008, 2009, the New York Times suggests he lost another $1.4 billion at that time. Wow. Um, and uh, the losses continued um, in that time. If you lose money like that, you can offset a lot of income. That's a lot of income to offset. Um, a lot of gross income. Um, at the same time, um, there are positions that the New York Times describes that could at least be described as aggressive. Um, others would go further. Um, I, nobody's seen the returns beyond the New York Times. I certainly haven't, so I can't make any conclusions. You, you can't make any conclusions even based on, uh, off of an, uh, regarding fraud based off the return alone. You really need to have information behind them. Um, things like this haircut, right? He deducted uh, approximately $70,000 for a haircut. It's pretty well, clear. I've seen his black hair. Line law, black letter law that you can't deduct your haircut. But, but wait a minute. Uh, even you guys can't. I've seen his. I've seen his hair. <laughs> And it does look like a work of art. But now, and and to be to just just to be clear, was that a seventy thousand deduction for one haircut, or was that? I, I read somewhere that was a total of uh, basically haircuts he got during the filming of The Apprentice. So I'm I'm curious, yeah, was it, it one or was it stretched out over an entire TV season? It was not clear at all from that. Okay, uh, from the reporting. Not, um, not defending but, it either way, because seventy grand for an entire yeah. season of haircuts is kind of expensive, but. You know, whatever. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Um, there are cases on point where a, um, a uh, an anchor, a news anchor, actually was deducting their haircuts because they got them specifically for um, being doing their appearances. Fair and the enough. court said this is an inherently personal expense. Um, it's a tough one for him to make. I mean, clearly, if the apprentice um, provides haircutting services that they pay for, they're going to deduct those because it's a part of having him be on there. But it, to the extent it's really becoming a part of his grooming, it, it, it's a pretty strident position to have taken. So uh, I won't be the first to ask this question. And you've worked for the IRS, so you might have insight on this. All shenanigans aside, 
how in the world has the IRS let this happen without like raising some red flags or, or questioning it? Because it seems to so, me, it seems to me that this would be like a red flag kind of, you know. Yeah. So, th- so this is um, an important aspect. I mean, there's a few pieces to this, right? Um, one is very basic, which is we have a voluntary income tax system. So you just report and it doesn't mean that every return you turn in gets looked at. Right. Um, you know, the audit rate is pretty low. In fact, the audit rate for wealthy people like Donald Trump is about on par with the rate it is for people who uh, get the earned income tax credit. Poor folks uh, get rate or get audited at the same rate. Um, it's stunning. Uh, ProPublica has a really stunning article about that. So the chances of getting audited are low. As a tax lawyer, I don't tell you that. I, I have to tell you, you you need to apply. But, but I mean, the why, reality of it. But is why that, is it so low? Uh, dollars, right? The IRS um, has the, the budget has been cut dramatically over the past 10 years. Um, going into the 2000s, that budget was coming down. It is down at least 10% from in uh, inflation-adjusted dollars uh, from 2011. Right. Um, there was a bit of a bump back in 2011, uh, and it is or 2010 really after the, the stimulus. But it has gone down since then. And they are working kind of on a shoestring. I mean, we, we were already facing problems when I was there. It's worse now. Um, but so it it's seems quite possible for it to just go without getting seen. So, so let me, I, I guess what I'm really asking, Phil, and I hear what you're saying, but, but what I'm really asking is if the, IRS, if the IRS is going to audit a mom and pop bakery and, and, and detect fraud, inconsistencies, money owed, it seems like the ROI for time spent would be better on someone like Donald Trump, where we're talking bigger dollars and cents. Yeah, the forensic accounting would be more problematic and difficult, but but I mean, a mom and going after a bigger target. Yeah, a bigger fish. Right. right. But I hear what you're, I mean, I hear what you're saying. It's just, it seems counterintuitive, right? Yeah, oh, it's totally counterintuitive. And here's the deal. I mean, and you're asking a great question. This is a really important fundamental aspect of tax enforcement, tax administration. Um, when the IRS was asked by ProPublica why they weren't auditing uh, rich people, they were like, it's too hard. Um, uh, I mean, it was it was a really surprising answer. I, I'm sorry. It's too hard. It's too hard? Yeah. It's too. It's yeah. just too darn hard. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, it didn't that's, mean anything, right? That's like they, they a lot of work, We don't man. have the dollars to go out there and do this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, when you go in and you audit somebody um, like, a Trump or a major corporation. Um, the IRS is fighting a major uphill battle. You're dealing with um, significant attorneys who have all the information um, and uh, they have a very hard time fighting those battles. Um, somebody like Trump can really paper up a deal and make it very hard for the IRS to see. So is- an auditor that's out there is going to get in on this thing and get snowed under this stuff. And so if they have targets that they're trying to meet for dealing with stuff, it's a hell of a lot easier for them to be on another case than to be on that wealthy person, particularly if they know they're not going to get backed up at the end of the day by whatever other resources they need, like hiring ex- experts and so on to fight that battle. And they're probably not. They're not going to have the experts that they need to fight that battle. So, and it so, becomes a so real challenge. So let me jump in here. Not that I'm trying to hog the mic. You, Richard. Okay, so other question I have from a criminal defense attorney standpoint. Is there a statute of limitation for prosecution of fraud, tax fraud? Like how far so, back could they, he be? If yeah. I'm not, and let me be clear, 
I am not saying he's done anything criminal. Right, right. We don't know. We concede. We don't know. No right? Idea. But if he had done something federally that would break a law, what's the amount of years that the, the, the U.S. Attorney's Office could prosecute him? Yeah, so, so normal statute of limitations is three years back from okay. the time you file your return. From, um, from each fraud, you can if you've got fraud, you can go back six years. Okay. Um, mm. And he's filed his return, so that starts the statute of limitations running. And that's that's from each return, though. That's from each return. Right. Right. See, it's very complex. We're not totally clueless on this. So, what if <laughs> is it a defense? If I'm a layperson, the next question I'm going to ask is: Is it a defense to say, "Look, I turned all my stuff over to my CPA and"? And he made the he made the gumbo. I just signed off on it. Is that a defense? I already so know the I already know crimes, the answer to that. I already know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, in tax crimes, it turns out that uh, I didn't know, um, I didn't understand is a defense. What? Um, what? There's a pretty strong. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. Knock um, me over with a feather. It's too hard. <laughs> it's too hard. Well, I mean, if you ha- if you have the presumption by the IRS saying it's too hard to audit these guys. So you can straight up work a defense where the IRS is saying, dude, it's just too hard. And on the other hand, the defendant's going, and I didn't know. Wow. Right. Yeah. And wow. If you get a jury right um, that you're talking to and they all understand that tax law is really complicated. And jurors love paying taxes. Jurors just love right. paying. I, taxes. I just, I, okay. So, so let's let's do some forecasting. And Richard, jump again. I'm hogging the mic. I apologize. I, I get yeah. selfish when it comes to the microphone time. You? So, so let's do some forecasting. Sure. What happens? <laughs> like, what happens out of this whole situation? Well, I mean, we've already heard it's too hard, so I'm not sure. What's what? I don't even know what to say. I'm not a professor. Sure. I had no. I don't well, know caveat. how. Okay. Caveat in here. Um, there is a return under audit. Um, okay. He took an enormous. Um, he got an enormous refund, $71 million or $72 million. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Look, I get a refund of like three, 400 bucks. I'm like, did I do this right? Am I going to get audited? What's going on? <laughs> 47 million. Did I hear that right? 72 million. 72 mi- no, clearly I didn't hear it right. 72 million. I don't want to sound, oh my God. I don't want to sound butthurt for a second here. I will. I paid my taxes recently <laughs> and um, one, it wasn't even close to that. And two, I owed money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll sound butthurt. What the crap is going on here? Yeah. Rock so radio. Um, radio. <sighs> they, they don't know exactly what the refund was for, but they believe it has to do with losses that he experienced from Atlantic City casinos again. Um, in the nature of a billion dollars or so. Again. He still has those things? I thought they all failed. Well, so that's know. part of the thing that's at, at heart. So yeah. if you get a if you get a um, refund over $2 million, it automatically has to go to a thing called the Joint Committee on Taxation um, for them to examine it. Uh-huh. That return, that 20, 2009 or 2010 return, is actually still under audit. Okay. He continues to extend the statute of limitations on that one. Well, um, is it kind of a an added layer to a viable defense that, given the fact that yet another uh, office, uh, another set of eyes at the IRS has to review this, that he didn't do anything wrong? I mean, if, if, if so many people are looking at it and they all approve no. it. I mean, it, 
it certainly would be something I would argue if I'm his attorney, right? Right, um, right. But um, I don't think it does mean that necessarily. Um, and here's the thing is that one is under audit and it's possible he could have to cough up $100 million is what the New York Times suggests. So we've got um, about so we got about five minutes left. Mm-hmm. What are some things you would want the public to know about what's going on, Professor? Sure. Um, I think the most fundamental thing is it's disturbing to have a president, the top guy in office, uh, not paying tax. Um, I think it corrodes your uh, viewers' uh, interest in paying tax. Right. Um, so um, I, I think it's a problem, uh, fundamentally. Right. Um, right. I think um, it's unlikely the IRS will do something while he's there, but I think it's possible that refund gets uh, taken back, fundamentally because – he still had an interest in the Atlantic casinos and he was taking a absolute loss on that thing. And it, so it sounds like there's a possibility that that one creates some, some problems. Yeah. Um, but um, it's good to pay taxes. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that actually is going to come down to the million dollar question. If let's say the elections happen, let's say he gets reelected and let's say they find there's tax fraud. Are we going to, are we going to charge and prosecute a sitting president for tax fraud? We've, we've never really gone after a sitting president for any crime. Well, they don't have so. to, though. They have, they've got time to do that. True. Right. I mean, I think that we already know what happens, right? Um, they didn't do anything with the impeachment. I mean, right. they impeached him, but he was not convicted. Right. I think it depends on what the Senate is. I think that really is what it comes down well, to. Well, yeah. also, the, the question still remains on fundamentally, can he pardon himself? So why even give yeah. that as an option? Oh, my. Which, it doesn't say you can't pardon yourself, but that's another conversation. Don't invite Although you couldn't craziness. pardon yourself from paying taxes. Right. He loses that. So. Right, right. And that, that's the, what's in front of us more. I, so is the takeaway here that you can be a horrible businessman or woman and end up getting millions of dollars? You can, here's Apparently the so. That's what I'm seeing. You can... Inherit a lot of money from daddy okay. and uh, let it thieve through your pocket. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't inherit a lot of money. Uh, you know, maybe somebody. Could. I mean, frankly, he would have been better off putting it in a um, index fund back then and he would have a lot more money now. Sure. Uh, I, I, I got no words here. I just. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, for starters, we talk, we're, we're in a topic that neither one of us are experts in tax law and, and we're in a subject that just gets crazier well, the more you peel it but that's back. why we wanted that's why we wanted phil on. that's why we needed the expert yeah so right phil thank you for joining us uh we're going to wrap this up uh if we want to keep tracking this and get more information what would you advise in terms of if from the standpoint of being a responsible citizen that cares what's going on yeah there's um there's some great reporters jim tankersley with the times uh, does a great job richard rubin with wall street journal does a fabulous job i just love rubin's uh, work Tankersley, too. Um, I think keeping up with that material is really good. There's been some good stuff out there um, and uh, very informative. I, I, I'm always appreciative of those two guys in particular. Well, mm. you, we've been listening to Professor Phil from Penn, from University of Pittsburgh, not Penn State. University of Pittsburgh. You School got me doing law. it. You got me doing it too. Yeah, that's my bad. That's we my appreciate bad. it. We appreciate you, you you dropping in, making the phone call. Have a great day, sir. You guys, hey, too. Thanks for having me on. Thanks Project. for stopping in. We really appreciate it. So, guys and gals, we promised you we'd be back. We warned you we'd be back. And lo and behold, we're men of our words. We're back. We've still got a couple of minutes left. 
Franz, why don't we talk about some of the shows that we've got ready to come up any day now? So, check check it this out. Can the government make you vaccinate? Ooh. Can they charge you with a crime for not vaccinating? Assuming we ever get a COVID-19 right. vaccination. That's going to be one topic. Grand jury secrecy in a national race heated uh, case. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wait, grand juries are supposed to be secret. I guess they're not. Oh, uh, yeah. So we're going to be talking about those things. We're going to be talking about, I, th- I think at some point we may good, do a local episode about bars and masks. And, yeah. And, and can they be open? Can they not be can open? That, can they not be open? So is it ironic they're going to open right about the time the legislature goes back to session? I don't know. So what I would advise you guys to do is go to www.legallyunfiltered.com mm-hmm. or or to Talk 107.3, check them out, and, and click on Legally Unfiltered so that you can keep track of, or Facebook. Or the Facebook page. Yes. Oh, yeah, we that's got a right. Facebook page. Yeah, we got a Facebook page. Yeah, we're all over that. We that, need to bump that, these that, numbers up. These are, these are some low numbers. Low these, are, these are some Bush League numbers. So, okay, we're coming back to the music, Franz. What does that mean? It's time to say goodbye to you guys. Check us out next time. Richard, Franz, have a good day. The views and opinions expressed in Legally Unfiltered do not constitute legal advice. If you would like legal advice on the topics that we've discussed, send us money. That's right. Go ahead and retain us. Do not, kids, try this at home.